The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A skier goes missing and is found 3,000 miles away. Is this a case of alien abduction or something a little more bizarre? Now we take a look at the story of a school full of young children in Africa who not only saw a UFO, but it landed in their playground today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. This is the week I'm actually going on a trip, but I took the week before off. So there may be a day where I don't have an episode this week, but I'm trying to record as many episodes as I can before I go. Because it's a family gathering, I can't really be sitting, pulling out my microphone. And actually, I used my travel microphone on my last vacation, and it's okay. But I'd rather record a couple episodes before I leave to get that audio quality that I really want. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with our first story here. Now, our first story actually took place fairly recently, and it's funny because it's one of those stories that the news initially ran with one angle to it. And if they had waited a couple months, which that's not what the news does, but a couple months later, we found the full story. So this happened in February of 2018. There was a skier named Danny Philip, Danny Philippides. Danny Philippides. We'll just call him Danny anyways. He's at the Whiteface Mountains. A bit racist. It's kind of a racist name. He's at Whiteface Mountain in New York. And he's out there with a couple of his other buddies. They're all firefighters. I actually knew a girl who dated a firefighter once, and I said, I bet he's not a firefighter. I bet he's just a volunteer firefighter, and she got so mad, and I never found out. I don't. She wasn't dating him. She was just sleeping with him, but, and yes, volunteer firefighters are actual firefighters. I was just messing with her, because she really wanted to date a fireman, but anyways, that was her problem, not mine. I was just messing with her, so if you are a volunteer firefighter, no disrespect, but blame her. Blame her. So anyways, the he's with a group of firefighters. And they're in the mountains. Now, at one point, he said, hey, I got to go back to my car. I left my cell phone there. And they're like, okay, you know, we'll just meet up with you at the lodge. They're already done skiing. So he skis down the mountain. They get to the lodge. He's not there. And they're like, oh, Dan, where's Danny? Now, he's 49 years old. This wasn't some young kid. This guy's 49 years old. He's married, two kids. Not married, two children, but married with two children. And he ends up just vanishing. Now, firefighters call up the cops. The cops come out and investigate it. They found his ID in his lodge. And his car was still in the parking lot. Cell phone was still in the car. So he is missing. And there's a massive search party for him. They don't find him at all. You got all these rescue teams up in the mountains looking for him. They can't find him. Six days later... There is a phone call from an airport in Sacramento, where I'm from, where I was from, and where I'm going, actually. He places a phone call from Sacramento International Airport to, which I'll be flying into, he, I'll, I'll go, I'll take a picture of myself in front of the payphone that he probably used, 
Oh, I guess he probably used the air clerk's phone. What are they called? Not stewardesses, but the ticket, not the ticket takers, just the people. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. A call comes from Sacramento International Airport to his wife back home. And she's like, oh, my God, you've been missing for six days. And he's like, yeah, I kind of figured that. I saw the news. And she calls the police and has says, you, you need to go to the hospital. Obviously, something's really wrong with you. He goes to the hospital. He gets checked out. Now, when he walks into the airport at Sacramento International, he's still wearing, like, his ski goggles. I imagine he's still wearing all of his ski clothes. But the initial story was, when you look at the early stories of this, the headline for one of them from The Express, which is a British newspaper, headline is, Alien Abduction? Missing skier found 3,000 miles away in California still wearing goggles. So, of course... I'm looking into this story. I kind of stumbled across it. I'm looking into this story, and I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of weird. But this happened in February of 2018. There has to have been a follow-up by now. So I keep kind of clicking through links, and most of them are still kind of going with the angle. Like, how could a person... Now, it is possible to move 3,000 miles in six days. That's definitely reasonable. But they couldn't figure out how he got there, and he was still wearing his ski clothes. So the go-to answer was alien abduction. But in August, I found an article. In August 2018. It tells the whole story. So what happened was, Danny, this is, they don't know how the story started. There weren't aliens involved. But it's, the answer actually is much more odd because it could really happen to anybody. This is the theory because even he doesn't remember how this started. But talking to doctors and investigators, he starts skiing back to his car to get a cell phone. And he actually takes a wrong turn. And at some point, coming down the mountain, going the wrong way, he must have hit his head. Enough that he got, I mean, got the sense knocked out of him. Like, he didn't have amnesia, really. But, like, (laughs) I guess he did. He basically got hit on the head, like a Looney Tune character. He's skiing, and Wile E. Coyote is skiing behind him with a big thing of dynamite. And he's like, yoinks! And he hits a tree or something, hits a rock. And then when he starts to, he kind of realizes, that's why it's not, like, full amnesia. He gets up. And goes, okay, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep coming down this hill. He gets to a another lodge that was for like a children's camp or something like that. That was not being used at the time. So there was no staff. It was completely abandoned. But in his days, he thinks that's the right lodge. So he's kind of like looking around. He doesn't recognize anything. And this is where it gets really weird. He has, this is where his memory slowly starts to come back. So all of that stuff is supposition. All of that stuff is what investigators think happened. But then what he remembers is a truck, like a semi, apparently, coming by. And you know a semi? The reason why they call it a semi is because it's half a truck. I don't know if that's true. I should look that up. But he, a, a truck pulls up and some guy goes, who he doesn't know who this guy is. He can't describe him. He has no idea about this dude. Some guy shows up in a truck and says, Hey, you need help? You look, you look, I noticed there's blood coming out of your ears and you look quite dazed. And I saw that coyote sneaking away from you. So Danny gets into the truck and he said he's sitting in the cab and it's warm. And in his words, he's in and out of consciousness. And then at some, he's throwing, leans out every once in a while to throw up. And I think it's weird the truck driver never once as far as we know, like, asked him, hey, why are you throwing up so much, and why are you having a hard time remembering your name? Danny's in and out of consciousness until he realizes he's in Utah, and he starts to think, that's not right, like, I shouldn't be in Utah. 
The only quote we have from the truck driver, because nobody knows who this guy is, only quote that Danny says that he said was when they got to Sacramento, the truck driver said, it's the end of the line, and basically booted Danny out of the truck. Now, Danny still did have all of his ski gear and his goggles, because it was the only clothes he had, so for six days they're just driving across, and I mean, here's the thing, like the truck driver, I'm sure he stopped at a McDonald's or something. And it's funny because this story could have ended up a lot worse. Like if the truck driver happened to be a serial killer or something like that. But he ends up in Sacramento now. Didn't have his ID. Didn't have his wallet. Didn't have his cell phone. But he had his credit card in his suit to pay for the ski lift. And he sit, basically he comes out of this truck 3,000 miles away and six days later with just a credit card. And this is, this is where I was like, I wish. He has this credit card. And his first instinct is, I need to call somebody, but I don't know who. So he walks into an iPhone store, and what do they call it, an Apple store? And buys an iPhone, well, maybe not an Apple store, but anyways, he ends up buying an iPhone. And he's looking at it, and he goes, I know I should be calling someone, but I don't know who. Now, I would have to save up quite a lot of money to just be able to have that type of iPhone money. So if I got unconscious, knocked unconscious... And was driving around, I'd be like, is there any straight talk phones around? Do you have anything under $29.99? And then I have to buy the $35 card, and I'm like, ugh. But anyways, he's able to buy an iPhone. He can't figure out who to call. He ends up going on the internet to try to figure some stuff out. And that's when he realizes he's missing. Because he puts his name in. His name's on the credit card. He puts his name in. He finds out that he's listed as a missing person. At that point, he goes to the airport, and while he's, because he's thinking, well, I have to get back to New York, because I don't belong here, he goes to the airport, and then all of a sudden, he's like, I remember my wife's number. I remember I have a wife. Oh, man. And then he goes to leave the airport, and I'm just joking. So, he's in the airport, he ends up remembering his wife's number, calls him up, and she's like, you need to go to the hospital. So, while that story is not as exotic as being abducted by aliens... This story could actually happen to anyone. You could basically be like, slip in the shower, bonk your head, wake up, and then just get in a truck. There's a truck in your living room, and he's like, get on. We're driving to the end of the line. It's funny because that story could have ended really badly, like I said, if he was a serial killer or some sort of like human trafficker or something like that, which obviously is incredibly rare in America, at least. But, um, yeah, crazy. It's funny because... Part of me thinks, like, this might be, like, the touched by an angel thing, but I'm like, what if that was, like, a guardian angel? Like, yes, the guardian angel probably would have driven him back to the real lodge, but if that truck hadn't stopped, he would have just died in the cold, most likely. He was completely lost, he was dazed, and he was freezing cold because there was snow everywhere. Oh, and I just realized this is another reason why snow sucks. There was no snow. He wouldn't have gone skiing. If he hadn't gone skiing, he wouldn't have been chased by the coyote, and if he wasn't chased by the coyote... He wouldn't have had to buy an iPhone. Weird story, though. Weird story. Watch your heads. I think everyone should be issued helmets. I think they should build a helmet that's made out of organic material. Never mind. I guess that's just called a skull. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Our next story is going to be an interesting one. And it actually was also a request. It was a request from a YouTube user named Neasy Orc. Neasy Orc. I'm sure that means something to somebody. Uh, Neasy Orc. It's your D&D character. The year is 1994. The date? September 14th. There is a 
stellar event. People are up at night, and they see what is described as a pyrotechnic display of some magnificence. The sky was clear, and just all these meteorites starts coming down. Now, there was a report of in this meteor shower, you saw a fireball-like object flanked by two smaller fireballs. Now, technically, those are just called meteors, but for whatever reason... They stood out more. They stood out more. I actually have a conspiracy theory, and it's funny because I thought about doing this as an actual episode, but I don't know if there's any meat to it. So I'll just spit it out here, and I'll see what I can pull up. What if the War of the Worlds broadcast, the, you know, the famous Orson Welles broadcast that people thought was a real alien landing? What if that was real? It really happened. And the media is just covering it up by saying, oh, it was just a big event. What if people were actually fighting aliens in the Pine Barrens of New York or wherever the radio broadcast took place? I guess I should learn where that took place before I make a conspiracy theory up. But And then afterwards, they're like, yeah, we fought those aliens last night. And they're like, no, you didn't. It never happened. What if that was the first Men in Black event? The first time that it was actually a radio broadcast saying, watch out, there's aliens coming. And then the Orson Welles version was recorded after the fact, to cover up the real radio broadcast, and the original radio broadcast was scrubbed. And that's why people are like, oh, there was this mass panic. And other people are like, no, there wasn't. There was no mass panic that actually took place during then. No one was listening to the show. There was another show going on. Hmm? Hmm? Okay. But anyways, you have this fireball display, meteor display, on September 14th. And then shortly after that, a mother and her child were driving down the road. Now, the article doesn't specifically say which one is driving the car. However, I will assume it was the child, of course. They're driving down the road, and they see a UFO. Go by, and they're like, <gasps> a trucker, maybe the same trucker from the missing skier story. He's everywhere. He's driving through the back roads of Africa. And he sees what he describes as weird beings by the side of the road while he's driving at night. So you're starting to get these little sightings being reported in the area. But both of those kind of pale in comparison to what happens next. On September 16th, in Ruwa, Zimbabwe, there was a school known as Aerial School. It was a, not aerial like planes, but aerial as in the Little Mermaid is how it's spelled. It was a very expensive private school in the area, and it had a bunch of different nationalities there. You had uh, rich people, like local rich people had their kids there. You had diplomats who had their kids there, things like that. It's an expensive school. These kids are out in the playground. Yay, wee, kicking the ball on what uh, swings and tetherball. Not at the same time, because that would be quite dangerous, but that would actually be a cool sport. You, they're all having fun, and... They look up. Now, I think it's very telling that there are no adults watching them outside in the playground as far as what's happening now. So you just have 62 kids out in the playground. But anyways, the spaceship lands right by their playground, kind of behind some bushes. And the kids are just completely shocked. And the UFO opens steam menacingly pours out and two silhouettes begin to descend the staircase i don't know if there was a staircase or steam or anything like that but the point is is that two aliens get out of the ufo now it's weird because the kids all had different reactions to what they're seeing and a lot of it has to do with their nationalities so these two aliens get out 
And what is noticed is that they have kind of long faces, but they look fairly human. They're wearing black, shiny suits. So like head to toe, like neck to feet or neck to hands or whatever. Tendrils. No. They have black suits that cover pretty much their whole body but their face. And they have long black hair. Long black hair. Almost a little slicked back. Very mod aliens. And so this is a quote from the article where there is a researcher named Hind. That's not his full name, but I didn't write down the first name. There's a researcher named Hind who is talking to these kids during, not during the event, but shortly after the event and nowadays. Because this happened back, you know, like 94. So here's the quote. Although they all came from wealthy families, Hind believed their cultural differences gave rise to differing interpretations of the event. And that the differences in interpretation made the details that were common to all accounts very compelling indeed. One of the white students, for example, thought at first that the little man in black might have been Mrs. Stevens' gardener, but then saw that the figure had long, straight black hair, not really like a black person's hair, so he realized he made a mistake. Now, first off, racist. Beyonce doesn't have an afro. Secondly, it is interesting... I had a friend who grew up in South Africa. His dad was a diplomat, or he was an attache to a diplomat. And he was white, but he grew up in South Africa. From He's from America, born in America, went to South Africa as a little kid. He said that at the time apartheid was going on, and when every black person who was a worker had to wear a jumpsuit that signified their job. So I don't remember the exact colors, but you could say a gardener wore an orange jumpsuit. And an electrician would wear a green jumpsuit, and so on and so forth. Now, that wasn't the case across the country, as far as I know, but in certain areas, that's how it was. And he said, even as a little kid, he knew there was something wrong about that. It seemed very systematic. It's not the same thing as wearing a uniform to your job. It was almost like a mark. Like, a uniform is something you can be proud of, but he just said it was weird. It gave him a weird feeling. Even as a little kid, he thought it wasn't like they were wearing a uniform. It was almost like they were wearing some sort of like designation it was it was bizarre and I'm, i might not be saying it correctly because i know like army people wear uniforms and stuff like that but he said it almost made it made them look like they were lower people because you would just see like a bunch of orange suited people a bunch of green suited people i don't know i might not be describing it correctly but yeah it was a weird experience for him so i think that's why she probably thought it was the gardener because he was wearing some sort of jumpsuit but then she's like oh he has straight hair and black people don't have straight hair racist some of the black children thought that the short little beings were Vic Wombo or Tokoloshes, the evil goblins of Shona and Nedebleke folklore, and burst into tears, fearing they would be eaten. So the kids who grew up in that area, whose family was from that area, they had heard these stories of these goblins that had like all black I don't know if they were wearing black suits and long hair, but it was something about them that made them think it was a mystical thing. The white kid goes, oh, that must just be the gardener. Uh, no, that's not the gardener. And then the young black kids who were there were like, oh, no, it's the goblins. And I think that is fairly common if a guy, you know, if a guy in Ireland sees some sort of paranormal event, he may go, it's the phase, it's the phase coming And then a guy in New York may see a paranormal event and be like, oh, it's a UFO. So, I mean, it's just based on that experience. And then this is one of the best quotes we have determining the description. This is the last quote I'll read here. This is from a witness. I could see the little man about a meter tall was dressed in a black shiny suit. 
that he had long black hair and his eyes, which seemed lower on the cheek than our eyes, were long and elongated. Sorry. Were large and elongated. The mouth was just a slit and the ears were hardly discernible. So you had 62 kids see these things. And they'll still talk about it today. There's actually a big documentary that's being made right now. And I don't know if Dan Aykroyd is producing it, but he's definitely in all the promo videos for it. And they're talking to these kids now as adults. But while this was going on, there was a teacher's meeting in the school. And one, I was watching the, the promo for the documentary. One of the teachers said it was really weird because they're sitting in the meeting. And she goes, it was like on cue. She goes, we could not have practiced this to be as on point as it happened. She goes, we're sitting there in the room. And she goes, on cue, 62 kids scream and begin running into the school. Like they all had the same reaction at the same time. They run into the school. They're totally freaking out. They go to their teachers. There's aliens out there. There's aliens out there. At this point, some of the teachers do look out the window and see something out there, but they can't be for sure what they're looking at. The teachers tell the kids, settle down. It's just your imagination. You didn't really see a UFO. No one, none of the adults got a clear look at it. Everyone just go back to class. It's totally fine. They're basically the men in black, but teachers. But the kids, obviously, when they go home, they're still freaked out. They're having nightmares. They tell their parents, we saw aliens today. At that point, the parents the next day are calling the school to find out what the hell happened to my kid at school. And the answer from the school is, we don't know. The kids are talking about aliens and UFOs and stuff like that, but we didn't see anything. A couple of the teachers said they thought they saw something in the bushes. And the the parents are like, there's someone in the bushes? And you didn't tell me? Oh, no, calm down, calm down. Nothing happened. Think it was a gardener. Oh, okay. So that story is still being investigated today because now the adults have a better command of the language and they can better describe what they saw as opposed to a bunch of school children. And even today, the adults are like, oh, no, I saw, I know what I saw, man. There's some aliens. Like, that was a straight UFO that landed. And what's interesting is that is not the only, that was a request from Nisiort, but that's not the actual only time that a UFO has been sighted or landed at a school. So, in 1977, a UFO landed in Broadhaven in Wales, and it was also at a school. It was seen by 14 kids. It lands. Aliens get out of the vehicle. Weird. In 1966, there was a UFO sighting in Melbourne, and this one did involve a teacher. There was 300 children and some staff saw a UFO flying around the school. One of the kids goes in and tells the science teacher, 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 there's a UFO outside. And the the science teacher's like, damn it. No, there's not. UFOs aren't real. I'm a science teacher. I don't believe in any of the nonsense. And the kid was like, no, no, no. You got to come right now. You got to come right now. Science teacher finally goes, fine. I'll go check it out. Because he's quoted in this article. He walks out of the classroom, sees a UFO flying there. The, The science teacher goes on to explain that five jets came to intercept the object over their school. And the, whatever it was, the object kept staying ahead of the jets, but in the general vicinity of the school. And the jets couldn't get close enough to it, and then it just took off, disappeared, and the jets flew away, apparently. But basically, the airplanes could never get close to this UFO. So, is there a rational explanation for this? Now, obviously, with UFOs, it just comes down to somebody seeing something and maybe being mistaken about it, or it actually being a UFO. Like, well, it's a UFO either way, but you know what I mean? Like, actually an object of unknown origin. I guess that's the same thing as UFO. You get what I mean? Alien spacecraft. So, is there a rational explanation for this? 
Obviously, kids are going to be fooled easier than adults. But a mass group of children, like I can understand if three or four of them were seeing this UFO and they went and reported it and being completely dismissed. But we're talking about dozens of kids in some of these instances. And these are the only three that I found in the amount of time I was researching it. I'm wondering if there's a lot more stories of UFOs landing at schools or being sighted by schools. Now, obviously, as I'm reading this, two things pop in my head. One, I think, not that it's fake. I think that the kids probably saw something they didn't understand. The first thing that popped in my head was I thought, it's some sort of military drill. It's some sort of vehicle that the military is using and for whatever reason. But the, I was like, yeah, but I don't know. The second thing I thought, though, is there's one thing that I would say 90% of schools have in common, other than kids and teachers. They tend to have very large play areas. Now, I know all of them don't, but when we're talking about Africa and Wales and Australia, maybe not Wales, but Africa and Australia are very well known for their massive amounts of land. So their playgrounds probably are quite bigger than, say, you know, a tiny elementary school. But a it's a perfect place. What I'm getting at is it's a perfect place to land an air vehicle is at a school. Because most playgrounds are quite spacious. If it was an alien spacecraft, and there's always that idea that to aliens, we would be the way ants are to us. They wouldn't have any, they don't really think of us as a sentient species. They're so much more advanced because ants are very intelligent, but we still crush them. We still spray them with poison. And we especially, if we are moving into a house and they go, hey, just to let you know there's some ants here. You're not going to be like, deal's off. You're going to be like, okay, I don't really don't care. You know, get rid of them or whatever. And then you just move into the house. Or if you're driving your car and you see a little anthill on the road, you're not going to like slam on your brakes and be like, no way, I'm not crushing those ants. Huge pile up behind you. You're like, keep it real, ants. Keep it real. You just run over them. If that theory is true that we're so far behind aliens, both mentally and technologically, that we're nothing to them, they could just be seeing a large expanse of land to land at, and they really don't care who sees them or what type of impact they have. Because you don't care if an ant sees you when you walk by. You have no problem strolling by a bunch of ants, unless they're fire ants and you don't have shoes on. But you don't care. It never even occurs to you that an ant or a spider or a billy goat may see you walking by because they don't affect you. Is that why these aliens are just like, oh, just there's a big space here. Let's just land here. Let's do some repairs. A bunch of kids are seeing them freaking out. Aliens are looking over and they're like, what the? Who? Don't, don't worry about them, dude. They're just ants. They're just ants. Here, give me the, give me the space spanner. Beep, beep, beep. They're working on their stuff. It's an interesting theory. It's an interesting theory. I think if the theory was true, you would see UFOs landing in sports stadiums. But it could also be that you had a wide area that was flattened because playgrounds are i mean they could land in the bush of africa but there's there's stuff everywhere you land on top of an elephant you land on top of a groot sling you're going to get your shit blown up playgrounds are very well manicured they're flat to any other species it would look like it was a landing pad it would look like it was perfectly stable to drop your ship in the middle of do a couple repairs take a couple pictures and take off Are there more, and it's funny because the reaction to both the science teacher and the original school staff makes you wonder, are there more sightings of UFOs landing at schools and they're just being covered up or disbelieved? 
Is it possible that there are many more stories that are a close encounter of the third grade kind? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O'Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.